Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Great memories of being here, uh, but I was an associate for, for nine years, and my job description was just simply do whatever needed to be done, just to serve. I, I understood that ministry was, was serving, and then I spent three years running, finishing building a, our camp and retreat center in North Texas and running that, helping the district superintendent fulfill his vision for a brand new campgrounds in North Texas. And then I was a senior pastor for 28 years. So I'm kind of like farmer's insurance. I've seen a thing or two, so I know a thing or two, all right? Uh, I understand the importance of helping the man of God from the one needing the help and the person doing the helping uh, as, as the helper. So let me just really kind of start it by saying this, that my desire is to help this church become unstoppable for God. Uh, I want to help you this morning become all that you can be for God. I think that's all of our desire, amen? We just want to be all that we can be for God. And so here's what I know, that when the people of God get behind the man of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they will be unstoppable. So I want to just deal with a few questions as to leading into this this morning. Why is it important to help the man of God? Why is it important that the church unify themselves behind their pastors? Why is it important that we develop our gifts and talents and, and use them in the local church? And why is it necessary to recognize and submit to spiritual authority? And really the answer to all of those questions is simple. It's just one word. It's called harvest. It's, it's about people that are lost, that are far from God, that need to find Jesus and come to Jesus. That's really what it's all about. And the only reason that, that Jesus has not returned is that God's not satisfied with the harvest. See, that's the business of the church. We're in the harvesting business. That's our mission. And anyone who doesn't want the church to grow lacks vision and is out of the will of God. Because he's not willing that any should perish. And so we need to get behind the vision of the house, if you will, and catch that vision and do everything we can to fulfill that vision to reach lost people for Jesus. Jesus said in John 4, 35, he says, Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. 
Jesus said, in other words, don't look for some future time. The time is now. To look at the fields. When, when he says that word look, it means, that word look means to give full attention to something. Our, our focus must be the same as the Father's focus. We must give our undivided attention to what he looks at and he focuses on the harvest. God's agenda must become our agenda. And we must discover the activity of God in this community and partner with God in reaching this community. He loves this community more than you do. He gave his son, he gave his best. So we need to have an eternal perspective. Now I brought, I don't want to make this screel here, but I call this my eternity rope, that this rope represents my existence. And, you know, you could wrap this rope around the world ten times and eternity would have just begun. So this isn't, it has some flaws in the analogy, but the, the rope just goes on and on and on and on. And uh, it does end here a little bit. But this part that is red, this little part, this represents our existence on this earth. So compared to the rest of our existence, this is just a small part of our existence. We were created for eternity. And so what we are doing here is going to determine where, number one, what, this, what we do with Jesus determines where we spend eternity. And, and, and what we do depends on how we spend eternity. And so... We have to have an eternal perspective. We can't just, you know, uh, I'm kind of semi-retired. I'm, I'm retired from pastoring, but we just kind of switch gears a little bit, and we still do ministry, but it just looks a little different. And so, but most people, you know, we work all our lives for just this little bit on the end. You know, we call this retirement, and we think that that's the end, when really it's not, because life really we have eternal life. And it keeps going and going. So if we just live in the now, this is all we see. So we have to live with an eternal perspective. We have to have a God perspective. We have to see things the way that God sees them so that we understand his purpose and his will for our lives and become all that we can be for God and reach lost people. Let me just talk to you a few minutes about ministry. We've all been given a ministry to help the church fulfill the ministry, the, the mission uh, of reaching the lost. And, and everyone has a ministry. He, Ephesians 4.16 says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its part. Every part is important in the kingdom of God. Now we need to understand that, that not everyone has the same gift. There's a couple of lists of gifts in the scriptures. I, I'll read uh, from Romans 12, 6 through 8. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. 
And then in 1 Corinthians, there's another list. And these are not exhaustive lists. These are just some of the things that Paul was trying to teach the church that we all have gifts that differ. He says, and in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Uh, I was reading that and I was thinking about one church that I pastored that everybody thought that they were called into the five-fold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that that was the ultimate uh, uh, spiritual success, apparently. But I'm telling you that not everyone's called into the five-fold ministry gifts. They are callings. They are gifts to the church. And, uh, and I didn't become a pastor because, Marcus, I qualified, like you said. I didn't qualify. I, I was messed up. I was running from God. I knew God was calling me, but I ran from the call, and it didn't turn out so well. And so I was pastoring a church, and, and it seemed like, you know, everybody thought. And then I realized there was a lady in my church that was, was teaching everybody that that was the ultimate of spiritual success was to be called, if you were spiritual enough, you would be called into the five-fold ministry. So I'm telling you that we all have different gifts and they're just as important as the five-fold ministry gifts. We can't do it without us all working together and understanding how God wired us. And so, I, Bishop, about every other week, someone would come up and say, Pastor, God called me to be a prophet. And the next week, someone would say, Pastor, God called me to be a prophet. You know, I had more prophets in my church than Israel had their whole history. And that's when I decided to become a nonprofit organization. <laughs> I thought, this isn't working so well. I don't know if you've ever pastored a church full of prophets, but it's, that's a tough assignment. You know, I, if I had, had a do-over, I'd have just, you know, I'd have had a school of the prophets, and we'd have worked with that thing, but I wasn't smart enough in those days. I just kind of like, okay, God, why are you doing this to me? But every gift is important. You know, just a side note is that after this list of gifts in, in Romans 12 and in, in 1 Corinthians 12, there, there's another, Paul gives a dissertation, and, and we know that 1 Corinthians 13 is, is right in the middle uh, of spiritual gifts, and, and he talks about them in chapter 12 and how to use them and, and how they should operate in the church in chapter uh, 14. You all know what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is, right? The love chapter. And right after he gives this list in, 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 in Romans 12, he gives a dissertation on love. Everything should run on love. It's all about doing it in love. If we don't do it in love, we're just a bunch of noise. That's what Paul said. He said, we're nothing if we don't do it in love. Now, it's important to understand that every gift has gift has the same value in the kingdom of God. There is, you know, someone says, well, I'm just a helper. There is no such gift as just a helper. Helpers are up there with apostles and prophets. Helping is big business. It's important. It, and so I'm saying to you, if you're a helper, and I believe we're all called to help somebody in some way, and that's big business. And don't get discouraged. Don't quit. God's keeping the records. The Bible says, Paul had said it a number of times throughout the scripture, he said, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't faint. Keep on keeping on. Keep doing it. 
Now, here's a revelation that I had a while back that there's no helper's rewards in heaven. But Rod, you just said that helping was big business. Uh, let me explain. Matthew 10, 41. It says, anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. In other words, if you help a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. If you help a bishop, you get a bishop's reward. If you help a pastor, you get a pastor's reward. You know, I was not too long ago, uh, you know, Billy Graham passed away. He was a great evangelist that led millions to Jesus. And, and I saw a cartoon uh, that all these throngs of people were, were welcoming Billy Graham into heaven. And as I looked at that, I thought, you know, he didn't do that by himself. Everybody that prayed for his ministry, everybody that, that gave to his ministry, everybody that helped in his crusades, they're going to get the same welcome into heaven. The throngs are going to welcome them. And they're going to say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being there. And thank you for being a part of that team. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I believe we're all called to help in some way, whatever our gift is. And here's, here's what I know is that what you make happen for someone else, God will make happen for you. Marcus, what you've made happen for Bishop, God's going to make happen for you. And he's moved you on because of your faithfulness, and he's, he's elevated you to a new place of leadership. I, I will tell you this, that when I was here as an associate pastor for my dad, with my dad, I was a great pastor. <laughs> I, could, I could make calls. They were just easy. Then when I became a pastor, it was, okay, God, help. <laughs> I realized that I didn't have all wisdom at that point. And there's, it, there's something that happens when, you, when God places you in, in, a play, in a position that the souls of these people are in your hands to lead them and direct them and to encourage them and build them. And that is a tremendous responsibility. It is. And we're going to stand before God. I have a scripture here I'm going to share in just a minute. But here's, here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 16. It says, And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? You have to be faithful in serving and giving and helping if God is going to entrust you. And your vision may not be the same as the person you're helping, but God is going to help you to fulfill the vision for your life. If you have a vision that you see your family living for God and serving God and, and living in harmony, and, and if, if you're helping someone else to fulfill their vision, God is going to do it for you. Ministry is what, simply what God has gifted you to do in the lives of others. There, there's a, there's a, uh, an Old Testament story in 1 Kings 17. We won't turn there, but there was a famine in and God tells Elijah to leave the brook where he's at. And, the, and God's been feeding him at this brook, and he's been drinking the water during this famine. And God says, I have a new plan. I need you to move on to the next level of faith. And, and God puts, uh, sends him to uh, another place, and, and he puts it in the heart of a little widow lady to help the man of God. And uh, Elijah says, I said, would you make me a cake? And he said, I give me something to eat. And she says, well, all I have is a little oil and, and a little meal. And, and I was 
going to make something for me and my son, and when it's done, we're just going to die because that's the end of it. He said, well, make something for me first. It's kind of a bold declaration, wasn't it? But she does. And, and, and uh, she used what she had to help the man of God. And guess what? She's going to have a prophet's crown in heaven. But here's the neat thing about this story is, is she gave a ministry of helps and God gave her a ministry of miracles because the meal and the oil never dried up. And she was just helping the man of God uh, and, and meeting his needs and, and God gave her a ministry of miracles. That's kind of how God works. God takes us beyond what we could imagine or think and he does exceedingly beyond whatever we could Think in our minds. But we do the natural, and we think naturally, but God thinks supernaturally. And so he moves us beyond the natural into the supernatural. You see, my availability gives God the opportunity to do a miracle through me. I've kind of lived with that. I heard that quote years ago, and it has kind of become part of my life story, that my availability gives God the opportunity to do a miracle through me. I could tell you stories and stories this morning of miracles that happened just because we decided to do something, to help somebody, and God just did a miracle. Helping the man of God is important business. Let me just give you, you ever see that TV show Mythbusters? I, I never watched it, but I knew it was on TV, and but, but let me debunk just two or three myths in the church, all right? Uh, number one, there's no ministry of irritating the pastor. It's just, it's just I'm sorry, it's just not there. Uh, and, and there's no ministry of keeping him humble. And this may shock some of you, but there's no watchdog ministry over the pastor. But we do have the ministry of helping the pastor. And anyone, I believe anyone causing the pastor problems is out of the will of God. But I'm going to tell you, I don't, think that, I don't think that we always are going to agree and you always have to agree. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that sometimes you just have to agree to, be, to disagree. You just love through it and you learn how to. The problem in our nation today is we don't know how to disagree. We, we, just, we just struggle with, you know, well, I'm Republican or I'm Democrat, and we just, you know, there's this tension that really, as Christians, we ought to break that down. We, we need to learn it. I used to, you know, teach young couples how to have a good fight. You know, we just don't know how to fight anymore. But you don't, when you're fighting with someone that you love and, and you're having a disagreement with someone that you love, you don't do you don't use weapons that wound and scar and, and tear down. Why would you tear down somebody that you love? You just don't do those things. And, and we need to learn in our society how to have, have, a, have a, a, a good discussion and stick to the points and quit attacking people. I, went, I pastored a church, and every time I tried to do something big and do a new vision uh, beyond where we were, I... I, I Followed a pastor that had been there for 35 years, and nothing had changed in the church in 35 years. When, when he went there, it was a farming community, 
And when I went there 35 years later, it was, a, it was right next to DFW Airport and it had huge homes. It was, a, it was an upper middle class to upper class community. It wasn't farming community, but they still did church like they were in the farming community. You know, they were just a bunch of good old boys. You know, all right, we're gonna take up the offering. Could a couple of you guys get up here and take up the offering? And I mean, that was just kind of the way, there was no organization, no nothing, and, and it was just like, you know, just good old boys club, really. And, and they weren't reaching souls in the greatest, that town had grown from 6,000 to 40,000 people, and, and the church had gone the wrong direction. And, uh, but every time I would try to do something, the former pastor would come back and visit me, and I'd have to call the presbyter, and we would meet, and I really wanted to honor him. I did my best to honor him, and I did. But he made it really difficult because he would just come and attack me. And, it, it, and I, one day I said, can't we just stick to the issues? I understand that you don't like it when we did this and when we took the songbooks out and we started singing off the wall and, and doing all these things, you know. I get it, you know, I, I understand. But I said, why do you always give a personal attack when it's not that, about that, it's about these other issues. And, and it just, I could never figure that out. And, and so uh, there's going to be changes. Just because Marcus is different than Bishop, it's just going to be changes. And, and, and he's starting pastoring bishops is near the end of his pastoral ministry. And so he's already made the mistakes. You're going to have to give Marcus some space to, to make some mistakes and to fail so that he can become better and learn from those. And you, you help him, you pray for him, and we'll talk about praying and doing those things in a minute. You know, where are we going? How many, give me five more minutes. Just give me five more minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. All right, we'll, I think I can do this with that kind of cooperation. You know, I, I heard about a few years ago a plane that was drive, it was going from, from Denver to Dallas. There were four people on the plane. There was the, the pilot, there was a scientist, and a preacher, and a Boy Scout. And the, the, uh, the pilot comes on the intercom and says, listen, guys, I have some bad news. We have some engine problems, and, and I don't think I can get this thing landed, and, and we're, we're going to go down. He says, and he says, I've got some worse news. There's four of us, and there's only three parachutes. He said, but I've got a family, and they need me, so I'm out of here. And he grabs a parachute and jumps out of the plane. The second guy is a scientist. He says, you know, he says, I'm the world's smartest man. I've got all these inventions, and, and the world needs me, so he says, I'm taking. And so he grabs a parachute, and he jumps out. So the preacher looks at the Boy Scout, and he says, listen, he says, I'm ready to meet God. I've, uh, I'm saved, and he said, I, I've lived a full life, and you've got all your life ahead of you. You take the last parachute, and, and I'll just go down with the plane. And, and the Boy Scout says, listen, preacher. He said, don't sweat it. He said, there's still two parachutes left. The preacher said, what do you mean? He says, yeah. He said, the smartest man in the world just jumped out of the plane with my knapsack. <laughs> so when we don't use our gifts and talents to help the man of God, and we're just, we're just using them for our own, we're, we're just jumping out of the plane with a knapsack. You know, it, it really is not going to make much difference. I want to make a difference, don't you? I'm going to skip a couple things. I had a couple more stories. You all know the story of the, 
the, uh, the guys, Aaron and her, lifting up Moses' hands. And, and, and the battle that day when they were fighting the, the, the battle, and I just give you the Reader's Digest on that one, is that that, that battle was won by two helpers. What, what if those two helpers said, we're, you know what, I know I'm here to hold up Moses' hand, but I don't feel like it today. I'm just tired today. I'm going to sleep in today. I, I'm not even going to church today. Israel would have lost the battle. The battle was won by two helpers. So let me encourage you to buy into the vision of the, help, of the house. Let uh, God's vision uh, that he gives to the pastors, let it, let it grip your heart. I, you know, I, I mentioned that, I, that I'd helped build this camp and, and uh, retreat center in, in North Texas. And I, I just started out volunteering. I was, I was between churches and I was preaching on weekends and I was doing some sales during the week to kind of make ends meet. And, and the, the superintendent I had been, before I came to Park Lawn, I had been his associate pastor in Texas. So he said, Rod, he said, I need some help. And, and I went out to see this project and, and I'd had a little experience when I was kind of on my run from God. I was in Madison and I worked for a, a, uh, an equipment company that sold restaurant equipment and supplies. And so when I saw his kitchen, uh, I said, you're in big trouble. I said, this thing isn't going to work. I said, you're planning for two or 300 people uh, to serve in this kitchen when, when the camp is going to house over 1,000 people. I said, you're never going to get them in and, in and out. You, it's all bottlenecks. So I put a committee together, and we started redesigning the, the, the dining hall and, and the facilities. And So I was driving out there one day with him. He says, Rod, he says, I, I, want, I, I need somebody to finish building this, supervise that, the finishing of this project, and then to run the place. The guy that was going to do it decided he didn't want to do it. I said, not me. I'm going to pastor. I said, that's my call. I, I'm not called to run a camp. And so uh, I, every time we'd go out there, he'd say, Rod, I need somebody to run this place. I said, well, I'm not. I'm going to pastor. And I was sending out resumes, and, and I'd pastored some, some really good churches and a couple of good churches. And, and but I was sending out resumes. I couldn't, get, I couldn't even get an interview with a church running 10. It's like, God, what's going on? I don't understand this. I said, this isn't working out so well. My ego was shot. So I thought, maybe I ought to pray about this other situation. And so Nona and I started praying about the situation. And God put it on our hearts to go and help the man of God fulfill his vision. That's what God called us to do. I didn't have a vision for the camp. I didn't have a vision to, to do, run that place, and I didn't want to. But God said, do it. Help the man of God fulfill his vision. So when we went there, it wasn't very long, and an amazing thing happened, Marcus. It was that God began to put a, a burden on my heart for camping ministry and retreat ministry where people could get away and just connect with God without their cell phones and without all of the distractions. And kids could come to summer camp and, and, and hear from God and, and get connected. And I remember sit, sitting one up in the balcony. Well, we had a, it wasn't really a balcony. It was just kind of a big old place in the back, the sound room. And I was looking down over... Uh, 13, 1,400 kids one night, and, and their, the altars were filled with kids seeking after God. And, and I was up there, and I said, okay, God, now I understand. It's worth it. This is what it's all about. And God gave me a vision for it. God gave me a burden for that camp that still is with me today. And I've been involved in that camping ministry, even through pastoring in, in, in other ways. And so um, 
I'm just saying that, that when you get behind the man of God, you're going to catch his heart. You're going to catch his vision. And God's going to do something special in, in your life. Now let me, let me just conclude really with, with some practical ways on how to help the man of God. Number one, you need to pray for him. That sounds kind of uh, elementary, but it's the most important thing you can do is pray for the man of God. And I, I had found this article a while back, and it's, it's, uh, it says, Beware of terrorist groups in the church. You remember Ben Laden, who was this big terrorist, and he was taken out? So it says, latest news reports are that five terrorist cell groups have been opening or operating in many of our churches. They have been identified as been sleeping, been arguing, been fighting, been complaining, and been missing. Their leader, Lucifer, been working, trained these groups to destroy local churches. Their plan is to come into the church disguised as Christians and to work within the church to discourage, disrupt, and destroy. However, there have been many reports of a sixth group, a tiny cell known by the name of Ben Praying. It's actually the only effective counter-terrorist force in the church. Unlike the terrorist cells, the Ben Praying team does not blend in with whoever and whatever comes along. Ben Praying does whatever is needed to uplift and encourage the body of Christ. We have noticed that the Ben Praying cell group has different characteristics than the others. They have been watching, been waiting, been fasting, and been longing for their master, Jesus Christ, to return. No church is exempt. However, you can spot them if you've been looking and been going. There you go. <laughs> pray, for, pray, for, pray for wisdom. Let me give you some specifics. Pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Pray he doesn't enter into temptation. You know, I, I looked it up again last night because the statistic I had was a few years old. And, and I, so I, I just Googled it last night about ministers leaving the ministry, pastors leaving the ministry. You know that 1,700 leave the ministry every month across denominational lines. And some needed to leave. I mean, they, they weren't called, and they just needed to get out, and they've kind of figured it out. But others just fell into temptation. Others just burnt out. Others just struggled for whatever reason. So you need to pray that they don't enter, into, he doesn't enter into temptation, protection over him and his family, for boldness to preach the word of God. You know, after you've been pastor for a while, Bishop can tell you where all the dirt is in this church. Marcus is going to learn. <laughs> That's just, you know, I didn't know, I didn't have to have a word of knowledge to know what people were, some people were going through. I knew their struggles because they'd shared them with me. But the problem was, is when they shared their struggles with me, and then I would be, be preaching on a certain passage, and I knew they were struggling with that problem. They're thinking, oh, he did this just for me. He just prepared this message just for me. And so there was the temptation to skirt around that scripture so that I didn't offend anybody. We don't want to offend anybody, but sometimes the word of God is going to touch you where you are. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's going to cut, and it's going to divide. And so don't kill the messenger. Hear what the word of the Lord is saying to you and change your life. Let it work in your life. Pray for boldness to preach the word. Pray for a fresh anointing. I used to encourage 
I, on my desk, I had the prayer of Jabez. Remember the prayer of Jabez? Some of you have had that. And I, it's a great prayer. You can find it in 1 Chronicles 4.10. And, and in the new uh, King James Version, it says this, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, and your hand would be with me, and that would, you keep, would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him his, his request. Pray that over your pastors. Pray, God... God, bless him indeed. Bless, bless my pastors, God. And enlarge their territory. And, and God, let your hand be with them. And God, keep them from evil that they might not cause pain. God, I pray your blessing over them. And so you just personalize it. Pray it for yourself. and Pray it over this congregation. Pray it over the leaders of this congregation. So be a praying person. Be a good listener, number two. Hear what he has to say. Because he watches for your soul. I told you I was going to give you a scripture that says there's, that there's no watchdog ministry over the pastor. Here's the scripture, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. We're going to give an account. We're going to stand before God. God, God knows the motives of our heart. He understands where we are. And, and that's, that has kept me over the years because I, I know I'm going to stand before God on how I, how I rightly divide the word of truth, how I steward the, the, the resources that God gives me, the, the finances, the people, the gifts, the talents. And so I'm going to stand before God and give an account someday. And that's a, that's a, a sacred thing. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Thirdly, you know, and, and Marcus referred to this this morning, those words of encouragement that, that you give. It goes a long way. Can I tell you, you know, compliment is preaching. Seriously, I mean, when we get home on Sunday afternoon, I, I promise you, it may not happen every Sunday, but you're spiritually drained, and that's when the enemy comes at you, when you're spiritually drained. And he's going to say, why did you say that? That was really stupid. You know, and he'll do everything he can to discourage you and, and to pull you down. And, and so compliment is preaching. I, I pastored in, in Capel, Texas, uh, right by DFW Airport for, uh, for 11 years. And, uh, and for three of those years, I never preached a bad sermon. And I, <laughs> that's kind of a joke, really. You can laugh if you want. But the reason I know that I didn't preach preach a bad sermon was because I had a retired uh, pastor and his wife in my church, and they, they were with Benny Hinn Ministries. His national headquarters was just down the street from where I was pastoring, and so a lot of his uh, people came to the church that I pastored, and, and uh, this couple came and settled in, and they, he did some preaching for me from time to time. And, but every Sunday, for three years, after I was done, I'd come off the platform and, and go to greet people, and she'd say, Pastor, that was a home run. Every year, every Sunday for three years. So I know I didn't preach a bad sermon for three years. But I would just, it was just such an encouragement. Because I knew she was just going to say something nice. And so, don't be afraid to compliment the preaching. Uh, number four, honor him in tangible ways. With cards, and putting gifts in those cards from time to time. Gift cards. And, and uh, you know, we're not motivated by money. That's not why we do what we do. But we're just as human as anybody else. It just says, hey, 
thank you for noticing. Thank you for encouraging me. And, and uh, you know, when you're, when you're a pastor, you, you lead in giving. You, you lead in, in doing a lot of things. And, and sometimes you just take the money out of your pocket to help people and don't ever get reimbursed for it. I can't tell you the thousands of dollars. I, literally, I, and I could tell you how I did that, but I'm not going to. But I could tell you the thousands of dollars that I have given to people over the years. I've loaned people money that turned into a gift. <laughs> and uh, just different stuff like that, you know. And uh, we had a rent house at the church, and the rent was supposed to come to me and as my housing allowance because I said, I, I just want to buy my own place. And, and so that rent was kind of, well, I was a terrible landlord because I would get the first month rent, maybe the second month, and then there'd be a reason they couldn't pay the rent and month after month after month. <laughs> and I went for three years without getting the housing allowance because they're like, you know, how can you kick him out of the church's house? You know, it just, I just wasn't in me to do it. So, but you know what? God's taking care of me. God's taking care of me. Um, you know, I kept a file of, of all the kind letters that I got and when I would be discouraged I'd go to that file and I'd read both those letters over and over <laughs> and I was so grateful that my wife and my mother thought I had value you know, I just <laughs> no I really had a file and, and it was pretty thick and, and I did go through it from time to time and it refreshed my memory of how God had used me to speak into somebody's life and how it made a difference that, that I wasn't just just spinning my wheels and sometimes in ministry everything you have to you have to have an eternal vision to see beyond where the present because you don't always see but you you see it in hindsight you see look what the Lord has done look what what God has done um, and then I just another practical way is just and, and I don't know what the system is here but but be generous in, in compensating your pastors Pay them well. Here's what the scripture says. I'll just share this with you. It's, that's none of my business, but I'm just saying, uh, somebody's got to say it, right? Uh, here's what the scripture says, 1 Timothy 5, 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Double honor. Listen, if you can't trust them with money, you, why would you trust them with your eternal soul? Amen? Just a thought. Just a thought. Amen. We got some organ music? We ready to go? That, that means we're, we're closing her down. All right? I want to challenge you this morning. And um, I want to challenge you to step up to God and to your pastor and say, I'm here to work. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's do it. Whatever it takes to get one more person into the kingdom of God, let's do it. Let's just do it. You know what? That one more person, it may be your loved one. It may be your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your neighbor, your co-worker. So you just say, hey, I, let's just do whatever it takes to reach one more person for Jesus. I watched Hacksaw Ridge the other day, I don't know if you saw the movie, and, and how this medic was all by himself, and, 
and he would go after one more wounded soldier and, and bring them and, and get them to safety. And, and he would sit there and wounded, and he was bloodied and broken, and, 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 and he couldn't hardly move, and he'd say, he would say, God, just help me to get one more. God, help me to get one more. As wounded and broken and bloodied as he was, he says, if it's one more, it would be worth it. God, help me to get one more. And maybe the church has bloodied you and wounded you. I'm telling you, let God heal you and get back in the fight and say, God, help us to reach one more person for God. Help me to bring one more person to Jesus. And together with God, you'll be unstoppable. When my dad retired as pastor of this church, there were people that wondered what's going to happen to the church. Because the church had grown tremendously under his ministry and, and had a dramatic change. This was an all-white church back in the day. We were over on 35th Street and, and a lot of wonderful people, but we weren't reaching the community. And God put it on his heart to reach this community, and he'd be so excited today to see what God's doing that you're reach, reaching the community for God and, and that this church looks like heaven. But there was people wondering what's going to happen to the church. And, and there was a little bumpy road when he left, but then God brought a young man and his wife along, and Bishop Harvey and Judy, and, and they took this church to a new level. They, they started making disciples and, and discipling people, and, and God's blessed their ministry. And, and you are you're witnesses of that because you've been here, and you've seen it. Many of you have come to Christ through their ministry, and, and God's touched your life and healed your home and, 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 and healed your body through their ministry. And God has used them to raise up a great church here in, in Milwaukee to the next level. And so there's some that uh, you may be wondering, what's going to happen now? We're going to have a new pastor. Let me prophesy to you this morning that God has raised up another young man named Marcus Arrington. And he's going to take this church to a new level. It's going to have greater influence, greater impact, greater harvest. Listen, this is God's church. And he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't even be able to stand against it. I'm going to build my church. And God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can even imagine. And you're going to look back and you're just going to say, I didn't see that coming. Because God's going to do some miraculous things. And that's what I love about young pastors. They're just so full of faith. They don't know you can fail. You know? They're not all messed up. They're not cynical. They just believe God can do anything. Because God can do anything. He's a big God. God is going to do some awesome things. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.